Well, after an Advent break from the Gospel of John, we come back to John's Gospel today. In John chapter 14, beginning verse 15, I want us to take a close look at this. We're going to look at a long passage today, and then we will probably spend a couple of three weeks in this passage, uh, looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus will pick this up again in chapter 16, so we won't exhaust it here. We'll come back to it and look at, at it again in 16 with, with 15 sandwiched in there between them. But I want you to see the importance of this. I, I, I don't want to say that there's one passage or one section of Scripture that's more important than any other because that could be bordering on danger there. But I do want to say this. This passage is vitally important for your Christian life. What we're about to look at in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 all of that taking place just prior to the crucifixion of Christ, just prior to his sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice on the cross. Jesus is pouring into those four chapters an enormous amount of information, an enormous amount of, of encouragement to you and me for our own spiritual growth. We look at the Holy Spirit and sometimes we think, oh, you know, we, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, that, he, he doesn't belong to us, we're Baptists. Matter of fact, I, I got an email back when I told whoever was doing the order of worship this week, that uh, we were, Matt, we were, uh, I was going to be dealing with the Holy Spirit primarily, and he wrote back and said, we can't do that, we're Baptists. Well, we not only can do that, we must do that. And we must understand that we, we worship a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we overemphasize one to the exclusion of others, then we run the course and run the danger of falling into heresy very quickly and missing the truth of the of the completion of God's Word. That's why I love to sing the old doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all people here below. Praise Him, all you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They are, the, they are the trinity and the unity and the triunity of Almighty God. One God manifest by three persons. We don't, we don't grasp that completely, and we never will in this life. Probably won't in the next life even. But it's the truth that God has revealed in His Holy Word. And we must cling to that, grasp to that, and understand that as best we can in order to walk in the fullness to which He has called us to walk. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning as we read, starting verse 15. I'm going to refer back to verses 1 through 14 to kind of wrap, tie that in from what we did before, before Advent. But I want to read, starting verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a paraclete, a, a, a comforter, a counselor. We'll look at all those words over the course of the next few weeks. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. <clears throat> he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. There's a, a repeating of verse 15, basically. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, not the, not the betrayer, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode, <clears throat> make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear, the, the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Then these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here. Wow. Jesus is preparing the hearts of those who are with him in a very intimate and very unique and very special relationship. And yet he says, as unique and special as this relationship is, as close as this relationship is, I want you to know that if I leave you, you will experience a greater fellowship, a greater relationship, a more unique intimacy because I leave you. Now he says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to come to you. I love the way he says that. I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm not going to leave you without hope. I'm not going to leave you without what you need. I'm going to leave you, but I want you to know I'm going to come to you. The Father's going to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and He will come and He will abide in you. He will make His home within you. He will live within you. And by His living within you, I'm there with you. Do you see what He's saying about the intimacy of this relationship? Jesus is preparing them for his departure. And in doing so, he says, I want you to understand this. It is more beneficial to you that I depart than if I stay. It's more beneficial to you if I depart rather than if I stay. Now, that, that sounds like something those disciples would have said, huh? How can it be more beneficial for us to leave, for you to leave us than it would be for you to stay with us? We don't, we don't get it. That's why even Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what's happening? You're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. You're not going to show yourself as a Messiah. You're not going to manifest this. What do you mean you're going to show us? 
He says, you're going to understand this by the coming of the Holy Spirit. You're going to understand this by the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life once I've departed. Now, those words were not just for those 11 disciples left after Judas betrays him. Those words are for you and me that we need to understand. There are basically three things in this 14th chapter. I don't want to give you two of them. We looked at last week, and I want to state them a little differently, but then move into the third one quickly. But I want you to remember that in verses 2 through 6 of this chapter, Jesus made it very clear that his going away will secure their future destiny. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and, and, and get you so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says, I want you to understand, your future destiny is dependent upon my going away and you believing in me, and, and I will prepare that place for you and come again and get you one day, and you'll be with me. So Jesus starts out this chapter by saying, I've got to leave so I can prepare the place for you to come. Second truth in the passage we looked at just before Christmas or just before Advent is, is in verses 7 through 11 where Jesus says the second benefit for his disciples going away will be a complete revelation of the Father. He said, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And he said, Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Jesus said, I want you to understand, this is, this is the revelation of the Father. I'm showing you the God who is invisible. I am manifesting to you the God that you cannot see. Don't miss this. He's preparing a place, preparing our future destiny, and he's revealing to us the fullness of the Father in all that's about to take place. And then the third thing, and it brings us to our text today, uh, the third benefit, if you will, for Jesus' disciples in his going away is that he will equip them for living for him. That he will equip them for living for him and serving his mission in the world by sending the Holy Spirit. Verses really 20, uh, verses uh, 15, really 12, if you want to reach back to 12 a little bit, 12 on down through the rest of this chapter. He's talking about that third benefit, equipping his followers, equipping his disciples, equipping you and me for ministry, by sending the Holy Spirit. The question I ask in my title of the sermon this morning is, is where do you find comfort and strength? Where do you look for comfort and strength? Do you look for comfort in, in friends or, or, or do you look for comfort in, in, in your, your church? Nothing wrong with that at, at one level, but ultimate complete comfort can't come from friends or family or church or anywhere else. The, the first and foremost comfort, the ultimate comfort, must come from Jesus. I said that in a funeral yesterday. I'll say it again tomorrow night in another funeral when I, I bring a part of a message. I, I want you to understand that Jesus said, I go and I send a helper. I send a paraclete is the Greek word, a parakletos. I send that so that you will have a helper, a comforter, a counselor, one who is with you at all times, one in whom you can lean upon in, in, in hard times, in difficult times, but also that you can lean upon for ministry, for carrying out the mission to which God called you in this world. Several things, a couple of things about the Holy Spirit you need to understand, though, from the very beginning. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. I sometimes hear people say, you know, 
uh, the Holy Spirit, it comes in power. Or, or, you know, the Holy Spirit as an it or as a thing. It's not. It's a person. The Holy Spirit, He comes in power. The Holy Spirit, He comes to manifest and to equip and to comfort and to strengthen us. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the one who has been sent by the Father because of the Son. And in the unity of the Trinity, Jesus comes through in and by the Holy Spirit to abide in us and give us comfort and give us strength. And that we need to understand, that we need to see. He's a person, not an impersonal force. And secondly, you need to remember, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a creation of God. He's not a part of the creation, just as Jesus is not a part of the creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. That is the Word, and without Him, apart from Him, there was not anything made that was made. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father are all the manifestation of God Himself, and they are not created beings, any of them. They are from the beginning, from eternity past, that we can't even fathom. And the Holy Spirit is a part of that. He's a person and He's God, and we need to understand that. So in this benefit that Jesus is talking about, beginning really in verse 12 and going through the end of this chapter, is how does He equip us for service and for ministry? Well, first of all, verses 12 through 14 says, The Spirit imparts power for the service of Jesus. He said, Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works will he do than those than these because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He imparts power to us for service, for ministry in Jesus' name. Sometimes we recognize that. Sometimes we see that. Sometimes when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you just sense the, the presence of God, and, and it's like he gives you the words to say, and you say those words, and, and he manifests himself clearly. Sometimes he does it in ways we don't understand. Many of you know and, and pray for regularly, uh, I'll just call them M&L, in a, in a closed country, serving Christ with the gospel, seeking in a business, but seeking to... To, to win people to Christ. I got their, uh, uh, a newsletter, an email from them not just a week or so ago, and many of you got it, I'm sure. Uh, but they, they were serving Christ, and they had planned this event. And they sent out an email earlier and said, please pray for this event. And I hope you did. I did, and, and I'm sure many of you did. And, and I got an email from them just the other day, and, and this is what they said. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, and, of course, I can't say their names, and I can't say their place, but hear this. Last night, we held the outreach event in the heart of our city in which we showed a scene about Jesus' birth in a film. It was followed by a gospel presentation from a national brother. We sent out over 200 invitations to those who at one time had requested a copy of the Word through the Internet. Two days before the event, M went to the hotel to check on the audiovisual aspect of the program. He was testing the equipment. And the hotel manager informed him uh, that we could no longer use the hotel. Apparently, earlier in the week, some officials came by to warn the hotel about our program. The hotel didn't want to get in trouble, so they canceled us. It's terrible. Just terrible. Man, this thing can't, they can't present the gospel now, can they? It just can't go right. Well, I don't know. Knowing we had sent out invitations and already had a number of people committed to coming, we found a hotel within walking distance of the old one. 
This hotel, hotel is very accommodating and in an even, and even a better location than our first one. So the night of the event, one of our team members went to the old hotel and just directed guests to the new one. Praise God. Over 30 Muslims came to the event. Each one saw and heard truth through the clip, a clip of a film, a testimony, and fellowship time over tea. Though the change in venues caught us by surprise, we know that God used it for His glory as this hotel was in a great location, gave us great service, and welcomed us back anytime for future events. We're thankful that God protected us from disruptions. At public events like this in the past, some people have shown up just to be a distraction. One gentleman showed up at our event who is known for doing just such things. Praise God, he was quiet and respectful. I, I've witnessed him in past events where he lectured the ladies in the room and played a nearby piano loudly, walked forward and took over the speaker's message, etc. Thank you for praying against such things. I know God was restraining him and he left quietly as soon as we took a time for tea, a tea break. We saw God answer many prayers through this event. A good turnout for the event. In a closed country, 30 is a tremendous turnout for an event. A good turnout for the event, protection, a clear gospel message, favor from a new hotel, partnership with local believers, and great weather for late December. Please continue to pray for those who attended, that they may believe that what they saw and heard last night is truth. Pray that they will accept it as the truth. Pray that they would be willing to begin to meet together as a group. And again, thank you for praying. We know that the unseen work of prayer is the foundation of events like this. We appreciate your partnership in the gospel. You see, what appeared to be an absolute disaster, you can't have your event where you've planned it, where you've told everybody, where you've sent out invitations, the whole nine yards, absolutely caught them off guard, caught them by surprise. But guess who it didn't catch by surprise? It didn't catch God by surprise. And he was preparing them with power to move the hearts of another hotel owner to be able to move that event there and use it in a better location, a better venue, everything right. God was empowering for power for the gospel to go forth. They weren't depending on their own strength. They weren't depending on being comforted by one another in the midst of what looked like disaster. They turned their focus toward Christ. They turned their focus toward the truth. And God honored that and God answered that. He imparts power for service in Jesus' name. Secondly, the, the Spirit, Jesus says, will unite believers, unite disciples to the risen Jesus in a new intimacy and a new communion. Verses 17 through 21. He said, this is the Spirit of truth. I will, leave, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and in you, and I, and I am in the Father, the Father's in me, and I'm in you. You're in me. There's an implied statement there that we're going to look at much more deeply in John chapter 15, but, but there's an implied statement of something that, honestly, we don't hear enough about. We, we talked about it some in the ladies' Bible study on Tuesday, and as Scott and I have been leading that and teaching that, and that's been their subject matter, gospel identity, but we're going to talk about it a lot more when we get to John 15, and, and that is union with Christ. 
finding our identity in union with Christ. Jesus says, I want you to know that you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There is this union, there is this, there is this intimacy that is, is greater than any intimacy and greater than any union you could ever know for the believer because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings about this unity, this union with the risen Christ and a unity in that fellowship. Jesus is going to illustrate it in John 15 when he talks about the branches and the vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And we're going to break that down and look at that in depth. But I want you to see that in this benefit of sending the Holy Spirit to equip us, he imparts power for the service of Jesus. By the way, these are subpoints of number three, if you didn't get that. And secondly, is his union, his bringing us together in Christ, with Christ, and in the Father. A third thing that Jesus says the Holy Spirit does is he'll unite disciples with the Father. Not just with him, but with the Father. And the Father will make his home with them. Verse 23, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, we, the Father, the Spirit, the Son, will come to him and make our abode, make our home with him. With them. What a, what a picture. I, I don't know if you can... Excuse me. I don't know if you can grasp this or not. I hope you can. We'll come and live with you. You know, it, it, there, there's an intimacy when you live with somebody. There's a closeness when you live with somebody. Sometimes, sometimes it, it brings conflict if there's not an agreement there, if there's not a unity there. You see that in families sometimes when there's just a there's no unity in purpose. There's no unity in heart. There's no unity in and while we're here, and there's a, there's a division that it brings discomfort. But Jesus says there is a unity here. There's a oneness. I'm in you, and I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and we're all together, and, and we're going to make our home with you to be your comforter, to be your helper, to get you through difficult times and get you through good times. It's not that we just turn to the Father when we're in difficult times for comfort and strength. He is our strength every single day, if we know Him. There's a fourth thing, fourth blessing of this equipping for serving and for living. In verses 21 through 24, He says, The Spirit will support them in their loving obedience to the teaching of Jesus. This is critical. We live in a day that easily slips into legalism. We live in a day that easily slips into a list of do's and don'ts, and we say, well, if, if we don't do this, you ought not do that, and if we do this, you ought to do that, and they many times have nothing to do with what Scripture says, okay? That's not what Jesus is talking about here when he says in verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, when he says in verses 21, uh, through 24, you know, that, that he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and will be disclosed. I will disclose myself to him, I will show myself to him. He's not talking about a legalism here. He's talking about an empowering. He's talking about an evidence of his true indwelling. He's not saying, if you love me, I'll indwell you. 
He's not saying if you obey me and if you can live up to all the rules and regulations and you sit down, then I'll be happy with you and I'll love you. not saying that at all. He says because you do love me, because you have placed your trust in me, because you are a part of me and we are united together in union, I will send my spirit who will empower you to obedience of all my commands. All his commands like love one another. This is a sign I give you, that you'll have love for one another. And by this, men will know that you're my disciples. You'll have unity in Christ, unity together, living together in a unity to demonstrate what the teachings of Christ are. You know, our problem is we get focused on so many externals when we talk, think about obedience. Things that are do's and don'ts, you know, and we don't think about just the first obedience is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbors yourself. Those are not external things. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you're doing those perfectly, because you're not. And somebody might misunderstand me and raise their hand, and I'd have to rebuke them, and I don't want to do that. But understand, understand what we're talking about here. When you are in Christ... And when Christ is in you, that's the basic definition of salvation, okay? It's not that I walked an aisle and signed a card and went through baptism. All those, are, all those are peripheral things. All those are important things. It's not that I prayed a prayer. It's not that, oh, one day I felt something and I just got all goosebumps all over. That's not it. Jesus says, here's the evidence. If you trust me, then I am in you and you are in me. And if you love me, you will obey me. Period. You'll obey me in Christian living. You'll obey me in evangelism and missions. You'll obey me in, the, in, in being a part of the local body, not forsaking the assembly yourselves together. You'll obey me not out of a, oh, man, i got to obey him again. I know how to, oh, I love him so much. I, I love Christ. I, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you obey me. If, if you keep my commandments, then you're the one that loves me. See, this Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit, this third person of the Godhead, this, this one that Jesus departs physically in order to sin spiritually and dynamically and powerfully in the life of every believer, this Holy Spirit changes our heart completely. He gives us a desire for Christ. He gives us a desire for, for fellowship with Him and with one another. He, he changes us from selfishness, although we still struggle with it. But He gives us an outward focus that is beyond ourselves. Fifth blessing of the Spirit is found in verse 26 when Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom, I, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. All things, the implication is all things necessary for godliness, all things necessary for living, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach them. He's already said back in verse 17 that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. 
spirit of truth. There's, there's great, uh, as J.I. Packers want to say, he loves to say, that phrase, the spirit of truth, is just pregnant with truth. <laughs> you know, it's, it's full. It's, it's about ready to explode. He's the spirit of truth, and that same spirit that the Father sends will teach. Teach us all things we need to know about godliness and, and Christian living and obedience. It'll teach us how to love Christ. It'll teach us how to love one another. The, this Holy Spirit will teach us. He'll teach us the truth of the Word. You know, I am a teacher in this fellowship. We have other teachers in this fellowship. But ultimately, I'm just a human instrument for the Holy Spirit to teach you. And that's why I say often, you know, don't believe it just because I say it. Go get in the Word. Go pray over it. Go think about it. Go meditate upon it. Uh, find the truth as the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to see it in His Word. Now, I think I'm telling you the truth when I'm preaching and teaching. Uh, if I didn't think that, I wouldn't be doing it. But discover it because the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And He'll bring to your mind remembrance of all that I said. I, I love that. Now I realize he's talking here in, a, in an initial context to those disciples that are with him, getting ready to go out, getting ready to see him go to the cross. And a lot of things hadn't been written down. Probably none of it's been written down. And I realize he's saying to them, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to remember these things I said. And, and he, they do. In order to write the scripture, they do. But, but the key is it's also for you and me. That when we abide in Him, as we'll talk about in John 15, and when the Holy Spirit is working in our life, we come to understand that He teaches us and calls to our memory things that Christ said in His Word. That's why the psalmist said, Your Word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your Word have I hidden in my heart, King James says. Treasured, New American Standard says. In my heart. I built it there. I put it there. And at the right time, I don't have a great memory, but at the right time, if I've been treasuring the Word in my heart, the Holy Spirit will bring a remembrance of it. You ever had that happen? You're facing a temptation. You're facing a struggle. And, and all of a sudden, boom, a passage of Scripture, a word of, of Scripture comes to you. And you say, where'd that come from? Well, you'd hidden it in your heart somewhere. You treasured it in your heart at some time. And the Holy Spirit reminded you of it pretty cool. Finally, the Spirit will impart the gift of Jesus' own peace. I love this. I love this because we live in a non-peace-filled generation in every respect. We struggle over finances. We struggle over relationships. We struggle in marriages. We struggle in with our government. We, we want to we, we, we just see our freedoms dissolving, and, and there's no peace in that. And Jesus said, I want you to understand something. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. I'm going to go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to impart to you the gift of peace. Now, he, he, he elaborates on that just a little bit. He says, he said, I'm going to leave you my peace, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, 
nor let it be fearful. Not peace like the world gives do I give to you, but my peace. What kind of peace is well in, in Jesus' day, the, the peace was given by the Roman government. And it was given by the sword. There was not much, there was a little, but there was not much rebellion because they knew that if they rose up and tried to make war against the Roman government, the Roman army would crush them immediately. That was a peace that was militarily enforced. And we see that in some countries in our, in our world today. They say, oh, we live in peace. Yeah, because if you step out of line, you're going to pay for it. The world gives us peace and says, hey, you can have peace if you're popular. You can have real peace if you're wealthy. You can have real peace if you, you, know, if you, if you can just influence a lot of people. Man, you can feel good about yourself. That's the kind of peace the world gives. Jesus says that peace is fleeing. It can collapse tomorrow. The economy can collapse. And your, if your peace is found in your finances and in your possessions, it'll be gone. Where are you going to find it then? Where are you going to find your strength then? Well, Jesus says it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to give you my peace, to, to let you know that I'm there with you, to let you know that you're not, you're, you're not left alone, you're not orphans in this world, you're, you're not left without hope, you're not left without strength, you're not left without peace. The Holy Spirit is going to impart that to those who belong to Christ. You know, the greatest sin probably of most Christians is the sin of worry. It seems like we love to worry about everything, don't we? I mean, I know some people that worry that they don't have anything to worry about. And then they get worried that they might get something to worry about. I mean, it's, it's crazy. That's kind of the way we are. But Jesus said, I want you to understand, my peace is a peace that, that passes all understanding. That's what Paul talked about to the Philippian Christians when he, when he told them, he said, you know, don't, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you're concentrating on Him, if you're rejoicing in the Lord, as He says in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians, if you're rejoicing in the Lord always and, and not worrying about anything, not anxious about anything, but by everything praying, I want you to know, He says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You ever been in a situation where you knew you ought to be anxious, you knew you ought to be worried, and you weren't because your focus was on Christ? Don't understand that. Human nature just says, worry about it. But the Holy Spirit says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in Jesus. You believe he's your father? Well, he knows the number of hairs on your head. You, you believe in Jesus, then God's your father. And, and by cause of that, he, you, you look out and you see him clothing the fields, the lilies of the field. They, they're clothed in splendor, greater than even King Solomon. You, you see the, the animals, they're fed. They don't labor and toil. They just eat because God provides for their basic needs. He says, look. God's going to provide for your needs. He may do it through another brother who you're in union with, who you're in fellowship with in the body. He may do it through another believer. He may do it 
in, in a way that we would only say is miraculous. Any provision of God is miraculous. Don't forget that. He may do it in a way that you can't even begin to fathom. But Jesus said, I want you to know, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is my peace. If you know me, if you love me, if you know my commandments, if you care about my commandments, if you live according to my commandments, I want you to know there will be a peace that will surpass all understanding in your life. And the peace of God will guard your hearts, your affections, your emotions, and will guard your mind, your thought life, your intellect, emotions and thoughts. God will guard both of them. God will give peace to both of them and guard them if you know him. If you know him. I mean, it, it sounds like a harsh statement here. You know, if you, he who loves me, if you love me, you obey me. He who has my commandments and keeps them, obeys them, he's the one who loves me. There's a sign there. There's an indication there. There's, a, there's an understanding there. Jesus knows nothing of cheap grace. Jesus knows nothing of an easy believism. It just says, I raised my hand or I did something. Jesus knows of a power, a power that infills a life and changes a life. Makes it new. Where do you find your strength? Where do you seek your comfort? Jesus says, do it in me. Do it and find it in me and in the Holy Spirit that I've sent, the Father's sent. Sang that hymn, old hymn. Some of you probably thought, ooh, that's way out of date. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy. And the word happy there means peaceful in Jesus. But to trust, and out of that trust, obey. And the great thing is, when we're trusting, He gives us the very power to obey. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we've sung about a sweet, sweet spirit. Oh, how true that is. We've sung about trust and obey. We've sung about praising and glorifying your name. And all those are so vital in our understanding of the Spirit's work. Father, this morning, we want to acknowledge to you that all we have is Christ. economy, possessions, popularity, influence, jobs, 
spouses, children, parents, none of those are permanent. None of those are promised. But your promise to us who are in you is that we can find comfort and strength in you when we truly recognize that all we have is Christ. Lord, I pray for men and women here this morning, young people that don't know you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in their lives right now. Open their eyes and their hearts and draw them to faith in Christ and let them confess that before men. Father, I pray for others that Lord, just need to see you fresh, trust you anew, trust you completely find their joy, their comfort, their security, their strength in you alone. Thank you, Father. As we confess all I have is Christ through song, Lord, would you make that real in every life in this room. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.